I would like to invite any children who are here this morning to join me down here and to choose one of our little carpet circles to sit on. And if you're worshiping with us from home, just move a little bit closer to your screens. Good morning. It's so good to see you all. You get to pick the penguin. The mouse is over here. If you remember last week, the mouse needs special attention today. Thank you, Grayson. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad to see you. You know, sometimes our parents say no. Have your parents ever said no to you? I remember one time my brother and I talked together and we decided we wanted to have ice cream for supper. And so we went to our mom and dad and said, can we have ice cream for supper? And they said no. Maybe once, just once, ice cream for supper. Sometimes we want things that aren't really very good for us. I mean, if we had ice cream for supper every night, that wouldn't be good for our tummies, would it? Our parents want to do what's best for us because they love us. And sometimes that means saying no. So next time, maybe your mom or your dad says no, Maybe we could hear that as, no, because I love you and I want what's best for you. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we don't always get what we want. And we don't always know what's best for us. But we do know that you love us. Help us to understand that sometimes when our parents or teachers or friends say no, it's because they love us and they want what's best for us. Thank you so much for loving us and wanting what's best for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, if you will take these little carpet circles and put them way down there on the floor, that will be a big help. I'll get us started. Watch this. Oh, thank you. You found the perfect spot. You go right ahead. I'll come around this side. Thank you all so much. It has taken me a while in my life to learn that sometimes the most loving thing we can do is to say no. I I grew up in the South. I grew up as a woman in the South. And... I thought that you were always supposed to be nice and polite, and when somebody asks you for something, you should say yes. And to say no is is rude or not being thoughtful. But as life has gone on, as I've grown up and matured, as I've become a parent, I've learned that sometimes because you love someone, because you want what is best for someone, the best answer might be no. For example, if I have a friend who's trying to quit smoking and they ask me for a cigarette, I'm going to say no because I want to support them in their effort to try and quit. Or let's say, for example, I'm trying to stop using my phone after dinner at night. And so I give it to my husband and I say, hide my phone from me, I'm going to read a book. If after 15 minutes I come and say, can can I have my phone, I just want to check, I hope he says no. Because that means he loves me and he wants what's best for me. But it's been hard 
as a Christian to think of ways and examples that Jesus said no. So often when we see Jesus in the Gospels, he's responding to whatever need is in front of him. People interrupt him all the time. His plans are changed because of what people are asking and demanding of him. And and most often he's ready to feed them, to heal them, to respond to them. Now he does from time to time withdraw and go away for prayer by himself. He draws that boundary regularly in the Gospels. But as I've searched the Gospels, I have found this one example that we just heard as one of the clearest examples of Jesus looking at the crowd and saying no. Let's remember what happened. If you were here last week, you know that last week, this week, and next week, we're walking through the sixth chapter of John. In the first part of the story, which we heard last week, Jesus and his disciples are approached by a throng of thousands of people. And Jesus' initial response is, how are we going to take care of these people? He recognizes their physical needs. They're going to be hungry. And so he takes this little lunch offered to him by a little boy. He blesses it and he shares it. And he feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. A sign that, that Jesus, that God does care for our physical needs. The fact that Jesus healed as such an important part of his ministry shows that he cares about human bodies and human suffering and he wants to alleviate our suffering and bring healing into the world. After that miracle, Jesus moves on with his disciples. They cross over to another part of Galilee and lo and behold, the crowd comes back. They follow Jesus and they ask for more bread. Wow, Jesus, that was really good bread. That was an incredible miracle. We're hungry again. Our bellies are empty. Can we have some more of that bread? Can you provide us that bread always? And Jesus doesn't say it in so many words, but he basically says, no, that's not why I'm here. And he doesn't give them what they're asking for because he loves them because he wants more for them. He wants them to know that a relationship with God through him is not just about being a vending machine and giving them whatever they want and meeting the needs of their bellies only. It is about a living, loving relationship that will feed them and sustain them for the rest of their lives and into eternity. The miracle of the loaves was a sign of God's abundance and God's power and God's love. And it was an invitation into a relationship with that God. The crowd, at least at the first part of this story, seems only interested in a transaction with Jesus. Give us more bread. Whereas Jesus is inviting them into a relationship. Now, it's easy for me, at least, to read this sixth chapter of John as someone in the 21st century who knows the rest of the story and and all that will develop throughout the rest of the gospel and to judge them for being so short-sighted. It happens throughout John's gospel. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about being born again, and Nicodemus doesn't get it. He's thinking about physical birth. Or Jesus is talking to the woman at the well about living water and what he's offering And initially, she can only think about water that fills the bucket that she comes with to the well. 
And here we have this crowd that's only interested in getting their bellies filled, where right in front of them is the Son of God offering himself, saying to them, I am the bread of life. Why don't they get it? But then I realize it's, it's in me, too. It's human nature. It's part of our brokenness that we focus so much on the immediate needs, that we often look to God to, to solve our problems. We, we love God because what God can do for us. I felt it this week a little bit as the news of the, the new data and the understanding of this Delta variant and realizing that we were going to go back to wearing masks and the disappointment and grief and frustration. It's been a hard thing to process. And initially in my prayers, I just wanted to say to God, please fix this. If you are God, can you not take away this pandemic? And I believe God hears those kinds of prayers. God, please heal my friend. God, please heal this relationship. God, please change this unjust policy in our community. God, please take away this pandemic. That is part of our conversation in prayer with God. I think God welcomes all of those feelings and those requests because they lead us into greater intimacy with God, to name those things before God. But I kept coming back to this episode between Jesus and the crowd and realizing that, that God is offering something even more, even more than healing and feeding and helping. God is offering an abiding relationship that no matter what happens in the circumstances of our lives or our world, as God goes about God's healing and saving work in our lives, in our world, we can be grounded in this love that gives us a peace beyond our deepest understanding. So do you hear that difference between the, the transactional and the relational? That even as Jesus heals and saves and feeds, he is inviting people, follow me, come and see, believe in me, an invitation into a deeper loving relationship. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who lived and taught and wrote, was born almost a thousand years ago, has a treatise that he wrote called On Loving God, and he talks about the, the maturing of our love for God. That our love begins with love of self for our own sake. That we look out for ourselves and those we love and we're looking to meet our own needs. And then as we mature in love, we, we love God for our own sake. We reach out to God for what God can do for us. We look to God and expect God to meet our needs. And the next stage, according to Bernard, is to love God for God's sake. To love God because of who God is. Our gracious, abundantly giving, generous, saving God. And there's even a stage beyond that, according to Bernard. 
And that is learning to love ourselves and others for God's sake. Because God loves us and God loves the world. It's a journey and it's not linear. But in this text I hear the invitation. Believe in me, Jesus said. Follow me. Abide in me. And as the bread is broken today, may we hear that invitation and from the deepest place within ourselves say, yes.